Hey, 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 hold on, hold on. Gather around, everybody. Listen up. I got a story to tell. Tell, tell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Rico Lane, and thank you for checking in to the Blessed Money Podcast, where we help you build your relationship with Christ by sharing blessings and testimonies on Bible scriptures that is manifested in everyday people's lives like yourself. If you have ever found a Bible difficult to understand, struggle with your faith, or simply wonder why Christians believe the way that they do, then this podcast is definitely for you. I believe that if we can show you that the Bible is made real in our personal lives today, even though it was written so many years ago by so many different authors, then you just may change the way you view the Bible. It may even spark your curiosity on the Bible or Christ, and I know without a doubt, if you seek Christ, you will find him. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And oh yeah, don't forget, be a blessing and share your testimony. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Rico checking back in for another blessing morning. Thank y'all for rocking with me. And last week, as you know, I did an interview with a guy who classifies as highly spiritual, but uh, not a Christian. And so I wanted to kind of step outside my comfort zone and just have a conversation with somebody who didn't believe the way that I believe. And just to really show people that although we may have different beliefs, that we can still have a conversation because us as Christians... Me, as a disciple for Christ, it is my obligation to share the gospel with others. And if I'm only speaking to people who think like me, act like me, believe like me, then I'm doing it wrong. And so I did that interview with him. He told his story on how he came from being a preacher's kid to how he does no, how he no longer believes. And I think it was a really good interview. But because of that, we don't have our normal bonus content why do you believe in God episode? So I figured I'd take this as an opportunity to share with y'all one of the sermons that I had the privilege of preaching uh, at a church that I was attending. And in this sermon, I'm going to warn you. I'm going to let you know right off the bat, you don't want to listen to this if you ain't ready to uh, really ask yourself a tough question. And that tough question is, are you really saved? Right now, I'm talking to people who have said the salvation prayer, given their life to Christ. And... We hear that prayer and we say and we t- and we tell people that, you know, once you say that prayer, you're saved. And that's true. If you actually do what the scripture actually says, then you will be saved. But the question is, did you actually do what the scripture says? Because it says believe in your heart. And we got to ask ourselves, what does it mean to believe in our heart? Well, in this sermon that I gave, I talked about that. And I used the story of the uh, rich young ruler who asked Jesus what he got to do to go to heaven. And so in this sermon, I want you to pay close attention because that holds the key to what we really believe in our heart. And see, when you think back and when you uh, reread the story of the rich young ruler, you will see that the guy didn't want to follow Jesus because of his riches. And so a lot of times we think, oh, it's, uh, it's hard for a rich person to get to heaven. And that is true. Jesus himself said it. But there's a bigger picture in that story. He, he, he had riches, but what are you rich with? Are you rich with pride? Are you rich with lust? Are you rich with greed? Are you rich with anger? And what are you rich with that you're not willing to give up and serve Jesus? And that's the question. And so 
Jesus is going to search your heart and he knows what's in your heart. And for the rich young ruler, it was his possessions. It was his money. What is in your heart? Hopefully it's Jesus. If you said that prayer, it should be Jesus. But take a listen to the sermon. Let me know what you think. And I really hope you find value in it. And don't trip out. You know, if you hear it and you start feeling convicted because I'm not judging anybody. This was a question I had to ask myself. But if you hear it and you need to repent, simply repent and change. Hope you enjoy it. All right. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hey, hey, hey. Got a little fan club in the back. All right. All right, we're going to start with prayer because uh, tonight we're going to get a little deep. So, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus. Father, first of all, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for being our healer. I thank you for being our redeemer. I thank you for being our father. I thank you for being good and just and merciful. I thank you for being slow to anger, Father. Not want anybody to perish, Father, but want all of us to be saved. I thank you for that. Father, I pray tonight that it be all of you and none of me. I pray that you just use the, allow the Holy Spirit to just use me to deliver your word, Father, that to deliver what you want us to hear. I pray that you open our ears, our hearts, and our minds so that we hear the truth and we know the truth and understand the truth. And anything that may not be the truth, I pray that you take it away from our memory, Father. I thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. So we're going to start, we're going to be in the word a lot tonight. It's School of Discipleship, and the whole the whole point of this is for us to learn, for us to teach, for us to train, and for us to actually take what we learn here and apply it, right? And so tonight, we're going to be talking about some pretty heavy stuff. If you notice, I have my kids here. Uh, I did not allow them to go in the back um, because of, because as I was preparing for this, I questioned whether I would do this different if I was doing it on a Sunday versus doing it in school of discipleship. And the fact that I even had to question that was, was, was convicting to me, right? And then when I started thinking about that, I started thinking like, well, you know, what kind of man, what kind of father would I be if I share this and I, I don't even lay it on my kids? And so, and so I, uh, last minute I was like, you know, y'all gonna be in and y'all gonna hear this word. And so um, when I, when I uh, told my kids that they were gonna be here, they were upset. And so a part of me was like, okay, they're kids, you know, and they wanna be back. And one, I'm happy they wanna be back in kids ministry. So that's, that's good. That, that means Joseph's doing something good and they're excited to be back there. So I'm happy about that. But it also kind of showed me, it kind of validated what we're gonna be talking about today, you know? Um, and so I told my son that, hey, you're gonna be there. And I just seen his face drop, his head went down. He, He's all sad and everything like that or whatever. Yeah, you earned your way into the message tonight. Uh, so he was upset and sad. And I, God just showed me that's how some people are when it comes to his word. You know, um, we're doing the thing on Friday nights, and it's been amazing. We're having a small group. I, you know, if you haven't been, I encourage you to come out. Uh, people begin saved, and people just been opening up, and we starting to know each other. And that's part of discipleship, too. Matter of fact, you know, discipleship, you actually, if you're going to be a disciple, if you're going to take what we're doing here serious, it's basically like a mentor. It's basically like a spiritual mentor. So you're actually training somebody up to help them learn about the word of God, right? And if you're not around them, 
then how can you train them and teach them? And so what we're doing on, on Friday nights is part of that, but the other part of it is for us to just kind of have fun and, and, and get to know each other and do life together. And, and we and, and praise God, we had a lot of people in the, in the house Friday, like almost we couldn't sit. Um, but but then, you know, when you think about something like school of discipleship, where you come to learn and get more, we can barely get people to come out, right? We got to say, hey, well, let's... You know, let's have a barbecue or let's do something fun. Or let's do this to kind of get people here. And, and so the reality of it is what my son did when I made him come and sit down in here is kind of what how people feel on the inside when it's time to come and serve the Lord or, or if the pastor asks you to do something extra or, or help out or whatever the case may be. And the reality of it is, is that, you know, God is going to judge our hearts. That's, that's the reality. And so... I'm going to start off by uh, reading a couple scriptures, right? Because we were in School of Discipleship. I want to say it was this last book, and the question came up. We read, matter of fact, I'm just going to read it. I'm going to read it. Let's go to uh, Romans 10, 9 through 10. All right, so it says, That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So when we got to this scripture, we had a sidebar conversation with like the difference in between believing in your heart and in your mind. And that kind of stumped a lot of us, at least it stumped me, right? And ever since that interaction, God has just been working on me on this scripture, working on me on this scripture. And so you read this scripture, right? And a lot of people, and, 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 and let me say this, what I'm not going to do tonight, what I'm not saying tonight, because we're about to get into some pretty deep stuff, but the message that I am not sending tonight, I'm not sending that you're saved by works. There's absolutely, positively nothing you can do to deserve the grace of God and to de deserve to be saved. So let's, that's point number one. Let's get that clear. You're not saved by your works. Now, um, you know, if, if when you are saved, though, you will see evidence of that through your fruit, through your works, that kind of stuff. It's kind of like, it's kind of like working out, right? And so God already blessed us with life. And, and, and what we do with that life, you know, we have free will to kind of do that or whatever. And so if I am, uh, so I like to work out. I've been trying, I haven't been really eating healthy, but I, I have been trying to start back eating healthy. Uh, but I do that because um, I want to take care of my body. I want to, I, I want to, I value my body. I value the gift that God gave me. I want to live as long as I possibly can. I want to stay healthy the whole nine. But because, but I don't work out so I can live. I'm living, but I'm working out. And so it's, it's kind of the same thing with salvation. You don't do these certain things to be saved. It's because I'm saved is, is why I'm doing these things. And so I'm, I'm working out not so I can live. The fact that I'm living, I'm working out. And so that's kind of, you know, how you look at it. So that's, not, that's one thing I'm not saying. The second thing that I'm not saying is that you got to keep confessing this. Right, so we're gonna get into some some stuff, and a lot of times people will come down and re get say I rededicate my life to the Lord, and I'm not saying that you can lose your salvation. No, I'm not saying any of those things. But what I am talking about tonight is the matter of the heart. Do you believe? What does it mean to believe in your heart? And so the, a great example of this 
And we're going to see when we get into some of these scriptures, it's kind of like what my son did. You know, we're coming here to hear the word of God. The whole purpose of us coming to church is to hear the word of God. And when I offered him, when I told him he's going to actually sit in here to hear the word of God, it crushed him. He was sad. I mean, he's still sad. Look how he's sitting. And so the reality of it is, is that we say with our mouth that we believe in God. We say with our mouth we love God, but then our actions may show something completely different. When it's time to come show up on Thursday night, it's something different. When it's time to serve, it's something different. And so, you know, we got to ask ourselves a real hard question is, do we actually, have we actually did this? And so you hear stories about people like, oh, I used to be saved, but I don't believe no more. Or I used to be this and I don't believe no more. And the reality of it is you can't lose your salvation. If you truly did this, you're not going to lose it. So let's, but, but, you, but you hear these type of scriptures. Now watch this. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Matthew 7, 21 through 23. All right, this is what it says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. See, the scripture we read in Romans, me and my mom had a conversation about it. And, and, I, and it's a, this topic, like I've been praying on it. It's, this is a very hard topic to preach, but God will not let me go without talking about this. Even when I was talking to my wife about it, she kind of showed a little, you know, frustration by it because it's like, well, if I said I should be saved and this and that. And so again, I'm not coming here telling you that you are not saved. What I'm saying is you need to question yourself on if you really believe in your heart. And we're gonna, I'm going to give you a great example of great revelation that God showed me. But the bottom line is this. This Matthew tells you that there's going to be some who think they're saved. And he's going to say, get away from me. All right. So, so you read that and you're like, okay, I pray. I said the Lord's prayer. I'm, I, I'm good or whatever. But then you read something like this and, and you know, you're kind of like, well, hold on, wait a minute. You know, let's go to another one. Let's go to Matthew 7, 13 through 14. This is what it says. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by, that, by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So there's tons of people saying it there say there's tons of people doing it but the reality of it is if we start looking at just our country not even the world just looking at america you know um and there's another scripture i didn't save it but it talks about how in these times people are going to go where where they where they uh they have they're going to have itching ears and they're going to go where pastors just preach what they want what they want to hear right and the reality of it is is that if you're going down the wide path, if you're doing the stuff that everybody else is doing, if you're looking the same as the world, if you're not bearing your cross every day, you got to question yourself when you said that prayer, did you really believe it in your heart? And so, again, let's go to one more. Let's go to one more. Uh, Hebrews 10, 26 through 31. Check. Now, this one really messed me up. This one was, is what really, for if we sin will, I can't even say it, willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, 
there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and a fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's quiet in here tonight. You can hear the pen drop. And, and I'm I'm telling you now, some people may be mad at me after this, but this is the this right now I have done nothing but read what the Bible says. From, I haven't given you any of my opinions. I haven't done any of that. We're reading directly from the Bible. And I I'm telling you, I, when I started studying for this, I got so convicted. I literally had to fall to my knees and just pray and repent and and, and and not rededicate my life because I am saved. But the reality of it is you gotta ask yourself if I'm if I'm living like the world, but depending on the fact that I said the Lord's prayer that I'm saved, you gotta question yourself, are you really saved? And again, I'm not telling you that it's by works. It is not by works. Hear me now. You cannot do anything to deserve God's grace. It is not by your works. That's not what it is. So then you question what is it? And and I'm and 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 the reason why I question what I do this different tonight versus Sunday night is because I'm under the assumption we're all here to be disciples. I'm under the assumption that we're all here to uh, we we all giving our life to Christ. And so again, my message is not to condemn anybody. It's really to help us to be better disciples when we start pointing somebody to the Lord. And right. And so a lot of times. We can, like I give you an example from the military. There's these things called technical orders. So if you're in the Air Force and you work on airplanes, there's things called technical orders. When a brand new airman joins the uh, Air Force, who work on turn on the switch. Step two, turn the screw. Step three, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. And they do that, right? But then after a while, they've been there two years, three years. They start learning the steps. They start knowing it. And what happens is they kind of get complacent. Or they kind of like, just kind of like, well, I got it. I'm good now. And I know it now. And I think a lot of times, um, a lot of times we can do that with the gospel. I mean, you can ask an atheist, atheist right now, what's the gospel? And they could probably spot it out to you. The God, you know, okay, everybody's sin. We all bad, you know, according to Christians. And then, you know, uh, God sent Jesus who uh, lived the life right, paid for our sins. And now we can, we can be saved by asking for forgiveness to Jesus. You know, and so a lot of times we minimize the gospel down to that, right? And when it's so much more to that, it's so much more to it. And so I think it's important for us as disciples to really dissect it, really talk about what it means when we say in the Lord, the, Lord, the, uh, the uh, salvation prayer. Talk about what it means and train each other up on it. Hold each other accountable to it because narrow is the way, meaning it is going to be hard to not live like the world is called good news. So, But the thing about it is, if I ask you to describe a quarter to me, right, I give you a quarter, you you may say, okay, well, they got 
Who's on quarter? George Washington? I don't even know. <laughs> but either way, the point I'm making is you're not going to describe the front of the quarter and not describe the back of the quarter. That's why I love uh, Pastor Brad's uh, illustration of the Romans Road. On the Romans Road, it talks about the bad news. Then it tells you the good news. Then it tells you you got a choice to make. Then it tells you you have a, a decision. And so the point is, a lot of times we get like those admiral with the TOs. We get so used to hearing the gospel. We get so used to knowing the gospel. We get so focused on the good part of the gospel that we don't take serious the bad news. And the bad news is, is that God is good. And somebody may look at me and say, what do you mean God is good? God, the fact that God is good means he cannot send, allow you into heaven if you're not good. And none of us is good. None of us, is, again, we already said there's literally nothing you can do to, to earn your way into heaven. So a good, just God has to judge you. People say all the time, oh, well, why in the world would a good God, loving, all loving God, send somebody to hell? Well, let's, let's break the scenario down. I heard this example from a pastor named Paul Washington. You come home one day, right? Think about the person that you love the most on the world. You come home one day, you, and then you see an intruder in your home, and the person you love the most, he's beating that person almost to the point of death. As soon as you come in, they kill the person you love. You're so angry and mad, right? You want to kill that person, but you come to your senses, you detain them until the police come, they lock them up. This person goes to court, see the judge. The judge say, you're pardoned, you're free to go. Would you consider that a good judge? They, this person just murdered the person that you love the most, and the judge let him go. Would you consider that a good judge? No. You will probably want that judge fired. You will probably want justice. You will probably want vengeance. And so how can we believe that we're going to go in front of God, living the way we want to live, and he's, and we can just say, oh, God, I made a mistake. Forgive me. And, we're, and, you're, and, you're, and, you're, and you're forgiven. A good, just God cannot forgive you for that. So that's where we get into the good news. But again, the point that I want to make is in this other scripture. Well, part of the point I want to make is in this other scripture. Because when I say, when I say you're not, you can't lose your salvation. And when I say it's not by works and this and that, the, what I am saying is I don't believe people who, when God say, get away from me, I never knew you. I don't believe they did this part. I don't believe they really calculated this. And so let's go to this scripture. Luke 14, 26 through 33. All right. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intended to build a tower does not sit down first. This is the problem y'all to key in on. And especially for us as disciples, when we're ministering to people and training people up, look, listen to what it says. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, least after he, he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish. All who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 or else while the others are still 
a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. And so I know it's some pretty hard stuff up front where it's talking about hating your family and this and that. That's not the context. You're not, God is not saying hate your mother, hate your brother. What he's saying is, is that you put, you got to put him first. And so you may come from a family where they don't believe in God or they may be atheists and it's, that shouldn't be an excuse why you shouldn't follow God. Uh, and not only that, you have to really take, sit down and think about what you're doing. You have to take into account of what you're doing. So when you read Romans, the end of that scriptures, I mean, mother, father, am I ready to give up the ways of the world to follow Christ? Am I willing to give up the fun I'm going to have back in children's ministry and sit here and hear the word? Am I willing to sacrifice, uh, be a servant leader for somebody else? See, the things of the kingdom is upside down. And so a lot of times we're trying to be the best and be up top in this and that. But the, the thing I love the most about Jesus, or other than he saved me, but I love the fact that he's a servant leader. Jesus literally could have did anything he wanted to do. He could have, boom, the new Tesla. Boom, the new iPhone. Boom, I'm not riding a donkey, I'm riding or whatever. But but no, he he Jesus was a servant leader. He came to serve. He came to be there for others. And so the what what you gotta see, and I'm gonna give you a story that that really gave me all this revelation. That's what we're gonna go deep in tonight. But you gotta ask yourself, does any is there anything in my heart? Because that's what God's going to judge. Is there anything in my heart that I'm putting before Jesus? Is there anything in my heart that's more important than Jesus? And so that is, that is what we got to, that's what we got to consider when we say that prayer. That's what we got to be teaching people as disciples that, hey, this is not about to be an easy cakewalk, this and that. Now, yes, God promised us blessings. God promised us healing. God promised all these kind of things. But at the same time, he also promised us persecution. He also say, when you're not like the world, they're going to hate you. They're going to persecute you. They're going to talk bad about you. They, you're going to go through these things. Not only that, the wages of sin is death. So at the end of the day, we're all going to end up dying. But I, when I know when I die, I want to get to the Father and he say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And not because I did works to get saved. It was because I am saved. I have decided to bear my cross every day. I decided to be a living sacrifice to God. I decided that this Right, I decided that it is so important that I be an example, just like the song said, I want to be the wick, you the flame, burn, I want to burn for you, I want to be so sold out, I look like Jesus, not, not so I can be saved, so I can save others, I'm already saved, if I don't do this, these people are going to hell, if I don't do this, these people are going to burn forever, if I don't do this, they're going to have to meet a good and just father a good and just God and when they meet him it's not going to be pretty a lot of times we focus again when we talk about the quarter we focus on the good side God's a loving guy he's a good guy he is and because he's a loving guy he cannot tolerate evil he cannot tolerate sin he cannot tolerate hate he cannot tolerate any of that and so the reality of it is is you got to be sold out that you look like Jesus so the person who's not sold out can say man what is it about this person what is it that he know who is it that he served why is he so different let me come find out and that's what it means for us to be a disciple right and that's what it means for us to um believe in our heart 
We got, that's that's the reality. And so again, I'm not gonna give you my opinion. Y'all know, whenever I come up here and preach, I always back up what I say by the word. And so we're gonna back it up by the word tonight. So watch this. Mm, 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 mm. Hold on, wait a second. Let me catch my my part. All right. So yeah, let's go to Mark 10, 17 through 31. This scripture is what changed it all for me. When we had that conversation, or this story, I should say, rather, is what changed it all for me. When we had that conversation about believing in your heart versus in your mind, you know, this is what tied it together for me. And I'm going to hope, hopefully this will kind of tie it together for you all too, right? And so if you're a note taker, I encourage you to go ahead and take some notes because we about to, we about to uh, learn from the rich young ruler. All right? So... Where we at? Mark 10. Let me see if I got it right here. Okay. Yep. Now, and, and as we go through this, so we're going to read, the, we're going to break down the entire story of the rich young ruler, but some parts I may kind of stop, make a point, hop back in there or whatever. We're just going to see how the Holy Spirit moved me to do it. But there's, there's a lot of stuff that, this is why it's important to meditate on the word because you can read something, read, like I've read this story, I heard this story, and I never got it until this guy on Facebook out of all the places broke this thing down. I was like, man, I cannot believe I didn't even notice this. But watch this. Now, he was going out on the road. One came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? And that's kind of what we all want to know, right? What does it take to be saved? That, that's, that's basically what he's asking Jesus. What does it take for me to inherit uh, eternal life? And this is what Jesus said to him. He said, first off, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. And so Jesus is God. He knows that, but he was making a point. He's making a point that, like, why, one, he's, he's proving that he's, He's God, but two, he's asking this guy, like, why, why, why do you call me good? Because nobody is good but God. So that's point number one. If you if you're taking notes, point number one is nobody's good but God. And so this is that's the part of the gospel. That's the whole Eve ate the apple or ate the fruit. Excuse me, uh, was deceived by Satan. Uh, ate by the snake, ate the fruit, you know, uh, from the tree of knowledge that, they, that God forbid them to eat from, they sin. And so right here, God is telling you, nobody is good except for God. Every man on this earth is a sinner. That's that's part of the gospel, right? We got to acknowledge that we're a sinner, right? And so a lot of people may say, well, man, if I was in the garden, I wouldn't have did it or whatever. But I can promise you this. It don't matter any one of us. We would have, if we didn't fall that way, we would have fell some other way because Jesus said right here, nobody's good. And when you're discipling, when you're out uh, sharing the gospel, a lot of times people will think that they're good. Like people literally, I remember um, when I was a kid, I, I really wish I could remember the name of this family. I wonder if they still do it. I'm going to ask my mom. To try to figure out the name, but we used to drive down the road, and it used to be this big old billboard every every time at a certain time of the year. They had this billboard up where they advertised this play at this church, and so everybody in the city would go see this play in the church. And so at the, in the play, they have different people's stories, and in the story, they have like the guy who was like tattooed up, crazy bad, the average bad guy, right? Gives his life to Christ, goes to heaven. You got a guy, you got a family who. Um, they got like four or five different stories, but the one story that like really rocked me to the core as a kid and had me like terrified was the one of the good guy. 
And a lot of people that you meet who don't believe in God, like God wouldn't send you, or believe in God, but don't think he would send them to hell because they're a good guy. Well, this particular guy, his wife and kids would go to church every Sunday. So they were involved in the church. He would stay home, watch the game, chill. And he's like, I'm a good guy. I take care of my family. I don't rob anybody. I don't steal anybody. I don't... God wouldn't send me to hell if there is a God. Sure enough, they die. His, his wife and kids, they go to heaven. He goes to hell. And when I saw that, you know, as a kid, I'm like, man, God sent the good guy to hell, right? And so a lot of people think that they're good, but uh, there's this uh, disciple that I look at on YouTube, what his pastor or preacher or, you know, I don't know what his title is, but his name is Ray Comfort. Um, and he goes out and talk and, and just basically witness the people. I think he lives in California somewhere. And basically what he would do is he would basically play like a courtroom scenario to where he would make people realize that they're not as good as they think they are. So he would use the Ten Commandments to show them that they're not good. So he may say a question like, hey, well, we can do it here. Let's ask it. Have you, raise your hand if you ever stole something. I mean, even if it's just a pencil or a penny. All right, cool. So you stole something. Raise your hand if you ever told a lie. All right, what do they call somebody who steals something? A thief. What do they call somebody who steals something? I mean, I'm sorry. What do you call somebody who lie? <laughs> okay, wait a good catch. That's a good catch. I messed up. All right. Well, I just hope, okay. So, so, so far, you already admitted that you're a thief and a liar. Okay. Uh, have you ever committed adultery? Jesus said, if you look at somebody, if you look at opposite sex it, uh, with lust, you committed adultery with them in your heart. Have you ever lusted after somebody? Raise your hand. All right, so you, you're a thief, you're a liar, and you're an adulterer. All right, and so that's just three of the commandments. So if you went before the, uh, the judge, God, the heavenly father, are you innocent or guilty? You're guilty, point blank. And so just like that, he shows you that we're all deserving of hell, just that fast, just, just that fast, you know. Um, and so then he goes further into the gospel. But the point here is that God, Jesus is telling him that, you know, only person good is God. But let's continue on the story. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. There it is. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And guess what the man said? Somebody read that for me. And edit. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. All these things I have kept from my youth. This is a religious man. When, 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 God, when, when the Bible tells us that there's going to be people who, uh, who, who cast out demons in your name and say, Lord, Lord, you're going to turn away. It, here's a great example right here in the story. This man in his mind feels like he is a good man. He, hey, teacher, I've done all these things. Everything you just named, I did it. But let's continue on in the story. Then Jesus, looking at him, Loved him. Can I stop at the love him? Like, and this was, I didn't even script this. It just it really it just came to me. I am so sick and tired of people saying Christians are judgmental. We're not loving. We don't care simply because we don't believe the way you believe. So we're bigot. We're this, we're that. Because if you want to live a homosexual lifestyle and I come to you with love and say, hey, what you're doing is not right. You know, hey, you know, there's a, there, there's a God. And God's word say that this is not right. 
how is that me not being loving? Like if you had a family member, there's plenty of family members, right? Or people who have family members who are in jail right now. They don't support what they did. They don't condone what they did, but they still love them. They still care for them. And I'm so tired of people thinking that because we disagree, it's not love. That don't let the enemy lie to y'all that, you know, disagreeing with somebody does not mean you can disagree with somebody and still do it with love. Jesus gave you an example right here. Jesus looking at him, loved him and said, to him, one thing you lack. Told him straight up. The whole thou shall not judge anybody, this and that, that and this. That's not what that scripture talks about. We are, especially other Christians, if, a one, of, if one of you all are not doing right, it is my job as a fellow Christian to say, hey, brother or sister, what you're doing is not right. Here's the backup in the Bible. You need to fix it. That calls for you to judge them. But the but. That's a whole different sermon. I'm not going to even, I'll get down a tangent on that. But basically, this is what Jesus told. He said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. So matter of fact, I'm going to keep going because I, I, I want to I wanna finish the story and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Because that 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 piece right there is key. Matter of fact, I'm gonna talk about it now. All right. So, what Jesus? A lot of times we get to a point right where we're like, okay, um, we read this story right, and we're like, you know, rich. You can't be rich. You gotta, you know, Christians gotta be poor to be a Christian. Or you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. We key in on the rich part. But Jesus knew this man's heart. This is why in Romans 10, 9, it says you got to believe in your heart. Jesus already knew in his heart what had the throne of his heart, what took the place. And for this man, it was his riches. For this man, it was his stuff. Jesus knew this already. And so this man have just told Jesus, hey, I follow all the commandments. But Jesus is about to show this man with love that he has, that he failed the two greatest commandments. He fell at the two great, the two most important commandments he was failing at, which is what? What's the two greatest commandments? Love God, love others. All right, let's see if this man following this, the, the commandments like he think he is. All right, let's see. Uh, take up your cross, follow me. But he was sad. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Ooh. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful. Mm, Zay, what does that sound like? He was sad at this word and went away with the boo-boo face. This is what it's saying, right? He was sad and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. So it is, it, it, Jesus is saying it's hard for people with riches to do it, but let's finish with the story. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Tonight, you got to ask yourself, what is rich in your life? What are you rich with in your life? Are you rich with anger? Are you rich with pride? Are you rich with lust? Are you rich with money? What are you rich with that you're not willing to give up to follow God? I, that's, this is, this, I mean, let's, this is what the words say. It's not what Rico say. All right, so hold on. Where we at? Where we at now? Do y'all remember where I was at? 
Let me see. And and they were greatly. I think that's where we're at. Okay. Yep. Yep. And they were greatly. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, "Who then can be saved?" This is this baby. What you told me last night. I mean, not last night, but whatever night when I told you what I'm gonna preach about. Hot to death. <laughs> like what? You preach on what? I'm like, this is what God put on my heart to preach, and so I gotta preach it. And 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 it's important for my kids to hear it. It's really important for all the kids to hear this, to be honest. But you know. They're going to hear it because the reality of it is, is that, what did he say? Who then can be saved? This is what people, this is what I said as a kid. When I heard the Ten Commandments, I literally was like, you know what? I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. I, I can't do none of these. I lust, I cheat, I steal, I murder. Well, I don't murder, but I'm about to get, they about to lock me up later on. No, I don't, I don't murder, but I have hated my brother in my heart. And Jesus said, if you do that, you commit murder in your heart. And where God going to judge us? In our heart. So in reality, I am a murderer. Matter of fact, all y'all murder. Y'all know y'all got the person at work you don't stand. You can't stand. You got that family member that you can't stand or whatever. So that's the reality. But God going to judge your heart. That, I mean, so, and so they hot to death like, what? Well, then who can be saved? Jessica said, I mean, well, 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 I said the Lord's Prayer of Rico, so then who can be saved? That's basically what, you know, but that's how people get, right? But, but watch what Jesus say. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it is impossible. Remember I said there's nothing you can do to be saved? It's in the Bible. I didn't make it up. It's right there. With men, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things is possible. Then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and follow you. So Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters. Here you go again. Our fathers, our mothers, our wife, our children, our land for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and land with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. So this is why the gospel is called the good news because the bad news is there's literally nothing you can do to be saved. You can't do it. You cannot work your way into salvation. You cannot be good enough to get into uh, heaven. You, even if you thought, we talked about this last week, if you thought about your best time, best thought, best uh, deeds, best gift, and we say, okay, we're just going to send you to the Heavenly Father, and you just get judged off of that, the best thing you ever done, you're still going to go to hell. Because the only way you can do it is through Jesus. And so the reality of it is, the reality of it is, guys, is that we have to, we have to humble ourselves. We have to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we are sinners, that, that we cannot do it. And then we got to believe in our hearts. And so the key, the answer to believing in your heart is in here. What are you rich with? What are you not willing to give up? What do you put before God? Some people will say, man, I love God, I serve God, but if somebody touched my kids, then y'all just got to forgive me. You know, but what is that thing? What is that thing where it's like, God just going to have to forgive me? You know, what is that? Because that's the thing you need to confess to. That's the thing you need to say, God, I need your help. I can't do it. Father, I can't do it. I, I, I need your help with this. I don't understand, you know. And so the reality of it is, is if you said that prayer, 
and you and you thinking that you can still live like the world live, if you're thinking that you can still do the same things you do, then the reality of it is you got to question if you if you if you really believe it in your heart. Now, guess what? You, you're gonna sin. You're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna. But the but the thing is, there was stuff that I used to do where I went. I knew it was wrong, I, and I didn't care. I didn't think twice about it. I, I could care less. Now, it convicts me. Now I can't do it. Now, like like. Um, like, uh, I was taking Zay to school one day. I'll tell on myself Tuesday since I brought you into it. I was taking Zay to school one day. I was listening to a pastor online, and, and the pastor was talking. Honestly, oh, yeah, I remember what he was talking about. He was uh, doing a, uh, so Kobe Bryant had just passed, and um, he was doing, like, this dunk contest thing where, like, he was, doing, he was doing an illustration where he had a goal on the court, and he had the goal, like, at six feet high or whatever. And so he was doing all these crazy dunks or whatever. And he's like, the reason why I can do all these dunks is because I'm not playing to the standards, right? I'm not playing to the standards. So he raised it up, and he could do it again. He raised it up again, and then eventually he couldn't. When he got to the actual standard, he couldn't do it. And the whole point that he was making was that, the point he was making was that we should we should get to a higher standard. We should we should play to the standards of God, right? We shouldn't we you can do all these things at the lower standard, but you can't do it at the higher standard. And so one thing he was so then he gave examples of that. Well, one of the examples he gave was about parents. He was like, parents, you cannot be mad. And I, I I I hate that I'm telling this in front of my kids. They definitely gonna use it against me. But he was like, parents, you should not be mad when your kids are yelling back at you or fussing back at you, if that's the standard you taught them, you got to play to a higher standard. If you're yelling at them, fussing at them, or yelling around them, fussing around them, then guess what? Train a child up in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart. So if you can train, if there's in the way he should go, if there's a way you should train, there's also a way you could teach them the wrong way. And so they're basically just learning from the standard that you're setting. So he was saying, and so... I don't know. I don't think Zay really caught it, but like I'm in the car, like man, pastors talking about like, and it, it was convicting me, right? But any other time, I'm like, I'm the father of the house, and I'm in the military. Shut up, give me ten push-ups, kind of thing, right? And so that convicted me, though. I was like, you know what, God, right? I got to do better, you know. And so I pray to God, God, hey, you know, I don't want to yell. I don't want to. I don't want to do all the yelling. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But I can't. I can't stop it. My mama did it. I do it. The military in me. It's hard for me. Father, help me to overcome it. And that's why we got the whole thing called sanctification because it's going to be a process. But if you are willfully living in your sins, if you're willfully doing it, then you got to question yourself. Do you really believe what you said? And so I'm, I'm, I'm laying it on thick right now for you all because... If we're going to be disciples, we got to tell both sides of the story. We got to tell both sides. The reality of it is, is that, is that God, God is a loving God. God is an awesome God. God is a great God. But the reality of it is God is to be feared. God is to be respected. Like the point, the, if you think that you're going to get to heaven and be the first person to be like, hey, God, uh, I was good. I said the prayer, and, and, and it's gonna be. And, and, and if you're not afraid of God, it's a problem. And and and, and so, if you remember when Moses, uh, when Moses uh, encountered God, he was shaking uncontrollably. When Isaiah encountered God, um, he thought God was gonna kill him. Uh, let's see. When John saw Jesus after after he ascended, he fell over. He basically fainted. And then Job. 
Think about like like this is something people don't realize. We we get so caught on the God's a loving guy. He's a great guy. My guy got blue eyes and a hair of wool like Wayne or whatever you know. And so we get into this. We get these images of God in our head, right? But the reality of it is, when people was in God's presence, you know they couldn't even get close to him or be around. They couldn't even look up. They were ashamed. Think about Job. God himself said Job was the, one, the most righteous person on earth. God himself chose Job as the test for Satan. And what happened when Job encountered God? Job, Job, Job said something like, I heard about you, but now that I've seen you, he can't stand himself. The glory of God was so good that Job couldn't even stand himself. And Job was the most righteous on the earth. So if you think coming in your condition that, that God is something to be played with, you got to question yourself, do you really know God? And that, that leads to my final point. How much time I have, Pastor? Like five minutes, ten minutes? All right, so that leads to my final point. And this is a very important question. And as a matter of fact, let me see. I think I got a scripture for it. Yeah, let's go to Mark 8, uh, 27 through 29. Real quick. Man. All right. Now, Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns. Uh, I can't pronounce this. I'm, Pastor, can you help me out? Caesarea. Caesarea. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Uh, Philippi. And on the road, he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist. But some say Elijah and others, one of the prophets. And he said to him, this is, this is the important question you got to ask yourself. But who do you say that I am? We are living in a time where people are making up their own God. We are living in a time people making up their own Jesus. Oh, my Jesus wouldn't send nobody to hell. My Jesus wouldn't do this. Or you believe in God that way. You, you understand that way, but I kind of get it this way. And our, our all religions lead to the same God. But Jesus purposely asked his disciples, who do people say I am? But who do you say I am? And you got to ask yourself, let's see what Peter say. Peter answered and said to him, you are Christ. You are the Messiah. Is, is Jesus the Messiah in your life? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior in your life? Is, and if he is, if you believe that there's a God, the worst thing you can do is live like there's not a God. There's the atheists, you know, a lot of times they say, well, I don't want to go to church with people with hypocrites and this and that. Uh, atheists, they will say there's no God, and they live like there's no God. They back it up. But if you are, if you confess your sins, and you gave your life to Christ, and you saying that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, the worst thing you can do is know that there's a God, and then don't live like there's a God. So you got to learn about him. You got to pray to him. You got to meditate. You got to get to know him. He wants you to have a relationship he wants you to be in relationship with him. Um, just like a father and a son or, 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 or a husband and a wife or whatever, you got to spend time with him. You got to get to know him. You got to communicate with him. And, 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 and the more you get to know him, the more you will realize how much of a sinner you are and how much you will realize how much you need him and how much you will realize that the reason the gospel is called the good news is because the bad news to that is that I don't deserve to go to heaven. I deserve to, to be judged by a good and just God. And so the reality as, as disciples, we gotta we gotta share that. Share that. Share all right. That. So when it was all said and done, and I finished up my 
my sermon, I ended with this thing that I read on Facebook. So I was preparing for this sermon and a good friend of mine sent me, or he didn't really send it to me, he posted this thing on Facebook. And so when I read it, I figured it wasn't a coincidence that this particular topic came up while I was preparing for this sermon. And it's just a reminder for us as disciples of why we need to continue to share the word. Even when uh, times are hard and people don't agree with us and people don't want to accept it, we got to continue to get out there and be disciples of Christ. And um, this story also reminds me that if we don't do that, then there's going to be people that go to hell. There's going to be people that's, that's, that are hurting and that needs to hear that Jesus loves them. And they need to truly understand it. They need to understand why the gospel is called the good news. But we can't do that without sharing the bad news as well. And so we got to step outside our comfort zone to do that. So I'm going to conclude with that same story here for you all. The little boy put on his clothes for the cold and then told his father, Okay, Dad, I'm ready. His dad, the pastor, said, Ready for what? Dad, it's time to go outside and distribute flyers. Dad replied, Son, it's very cold outside and it's drizzling. The child looked surprised at his father and said, But Dad, people need to know about God even on rainy days. Dad replied, Son, I'm not going outside in this weather. With despair, the child said, Dad, can I go alone, please? His father waited for a moment and then said, Son, you can go. Here, here's the flyers. Be careful. Thank you, Dad. And with this, the son went out into the rain. The 11-year-old walked all the streets of the village, handing out the flyers to people he saw. After two hours walking in the rain and in the cold and with his last flyer in his hand, he stopped in a corner to see if he saw someone to give the flyer to. But the streets were totally deserted. Then he turned to the first house he saw, walked to the front door, touched the bell several times and waited. But no one came out. Finally, the boy turned to leave, but something stopped him. The child turned back to the door and began to touch the bell and pound the door strongly with his knuckles. He kept waiting. Finally, the door was opened gently. A lady came out with a very sad look and, gentle, and gently asked, What can I do for you, son? With radiant eyes and a bright smile, the child said, Lady, I'm sorry if I upset you, but I just want to tell you that God really loves you and that I came to give you my last flyer, which talks about God and his great love. The boy then gave her the flyer. She said, thank you, son. God bless you. Well, next Sunday morning, the pastor was in the pulpit, and when the service began, he asked, someone has a testimony or something they want to share? Gently in the back row of the church, an older lady stood up. When she started to talk, a radiant and glorious look sprouted from her eyes. Nobody in this church knows me. I have never been here. Even last Sunday, I was not Christian. My husband died a while ago, leaving me totally alone in this world. Last Sunday was a particularly cold and rainy day. And it was also in my heart that on that day, I came to the end of the road since I had no hope and didn't want to live anymore. Then I took a chair and a rope and went up to the attic of my house. I tied, I tied one end of the rope to the rafters of the roof, then I climbed onto a chair and put the other end of the rope around my neck. I then stood on a chair so alone and heartbroken, I was about to throw myself off the chair, when suddenly I heard a loud sound of the door being knocked. So I thought, I'll wait for a minute, and whoever it is will go. I waited and waited, 
but the door knocking was getting louder and louder every time. It got so loud that I couldn't ignore it anymore. So I wonder who could it be? No one ever comes this close to my door or to come visit me. I released the rope from my neck and went to the door while the bell was still ringing and the door was still being knocked on. When I opened the door, I couldn't believe what I what my eyes saw. In front of my door was the most radiant and angelic child I ever seen. He smiled. Oh, I can never describe it. The words that came out of his mouth made my heart dead so long ago come back to life. When he said with the voice of a cherub, Lady, I just want to tell you that God really loves you. When the little angel disappeared between the cold and the rain, I closed my door and I read every word of the flyer. Then I went to the attic to remove the chair and rope. I didn't need it anymore. As you see, now I am, now I am a happy daughter of the king. As the direction of the boy when he left was to this church, I came personally to say thank you to that little angel of God who came just in time and in fact to rescue my life from an eternity in hell and replaced it with an eternity in God's presence. Everyone in the church cried. The pastor came down from the pulpit to the first bench of the front where the little angel was sitting. He took his, took his son in his arms and cried uncontrollably. As I read that, I get chills, like straight up. That is why we do what we have to do. That is why we share the gospel. That is why we go out and we disciple people, put them under our wing and let them know that God loves us. That is why we show love to others because God has shown love to us and it saves lives. And that's also why we share our testimony. Our testimony has the power to help transform somebody else's life. So I just want to encourage you to continue staying strong in this fight. I want to encourage you to not be rich with anything in your heart that's going to make it hard for you to follow Christ. Follow Christ to the end. And while you're following him, go and grab somebody else, bring them along, and help them to follow Christ as well. Until next time, be a blessing and share your testimony. testimony. Thanks again for joining us on the Blessed Money Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, blessedmoney.com, or download the Blessed Money app, where you can continue the conversation from this podcast by sharing your thoughts and testimonies on the scripture. You can fellowship with other Christians or check out the Blessed Money blog. Oh, and I almost forgot, if you found any value in this show, we'd appreciate our ratings on iTunes. Spotify, or on the platform you use to listen to the show. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about us, that would be a huge blessing. Until next time, peace.